be with you, though. There's, there's such a, a momentum in your church, a hunger for the Lord. And uh, that's a spirit of victory, spirit of joy, spirit of faith. And uh, uh, we, we love Him, don't we? I mean, it's just, I think it just makes the Lord happy that we express how much we love Him. You know, it'd be one thing if, you, you know, when you're married or whatever, you never tell your wife you love Him. That'd be kind of a pretty weak relationship. And I believe this Sunday morning, we've come to magnify Him. We've come to honor Him. We've come to glorify Him. He's, he's worthy of adoration, isn't He? If anything that we do when we come on Sunday mornings, we get fed, but we should come with the attitude to, to bless Him, to magnify Him. He's done great things, hasn't He? Hallelujah. Think about it. He redeemed you. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in this world. He made you the fullness of Him. He's quickened you. He's raised you up. You're seated with Him in heavenly places. So we know as all we've learned about redemption and who we are in Christ, God wants to use you. This whole season is a vessel mentality, how to get the power through you, not just to you. Hallelujah. I know that will be intensified as the days go by, but won't you grab your Bibles and uh, you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. We'll see if who, who figures it out. Anybody get Matthew? We're going we're gonna to turn there? No, we're not going to Matthew. Praise the Lord. Go to uh, 2 Peter, if you would, and we'll get into your next appointment. You know, we, we are living so close to the coming of the Lord. Uh, I told Pastor Mark uh, this year almost so many invitations that have come uh, are all about end times. It's so weird because I have to preach on end times in the schools overseas. And I've had to pre- I've preached it a long time in America. But, you know, usually you, know, you have Hilton Sutton or Billy Brim or, you know, all these other guys. But, you know, I've had to go do it overseas because they can't get those guys. So I've had to learn it. But it's amazing. We're comprehending Jesus is coming very, very, very soon. And our group has heard that over the years. And it almost seems like we kind of got to sleep about that. Yeah, blah, 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 Lord's coming back, whatever. No, He really is coming back. So we, we have to respond accordingly. We just we do everything differently when time is very, very short. And when, when time is short, you think differently. There's an urgency. Just like when the harvest is out there. i got some friends that are corn farmers. They're urgent about their harvest. They take the food to the guys out in the combines. They just think differently when it's harvest season. So, you know, Jesus said the generation that sees Israel reestablished as a nation and Jerusalem won back. He said, the group of people that sees those two events will not pass away till all is fulfilled. And whether we like that or not, or whether we're comfortable with it or not, that's us. I mean, we've seen that happen in our lifetime, 1948, 1967. So we're a blessed group of people. Look at how God brought you out of all these different groups or whatever, and you're in a wild, non-denominational, word, Holy Ghost church, where we can express our love toward Him and literally find out what our destiny is. So it's not about just hearing the message, it's hearing it and doing something with it. So I want to get into some things this morning about your very next appointment. We know that we're about to be raptured, but after that we go to the reward seat of Christ. So let's get into the Word this morning and let it propel us to do what we're called to do. Rather than just going, Lord, fill me, let's find out what we have to do right before we leave this planet. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're so grateful for everybody that came today. Thank you for blessing their lives. Thank you for 2007. There being intensity to do the will of God. And even, Lord, even this morning, Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you for a heightened awareness of the glory of God, an awareness of Jesus, an awareness of heavenly things, that, Father, we're just passing through on this earth and that we'll be diligent to do your will. I ask you this morning for renewed spiritual ambition, that there'd be an ambition to do the will of God. That, Father, every person in this room, they'll all finish their course with joy. Father, we will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for that, Lord. We look unto you. Thank you for blessing your church, strengthening your church. We thank you for this season before you return, that, Father, we will walk with you. We'll demonstrate for you. We'll speak for you. Every person in this room, Father, flow through them, minister through them, and utilize them all the way up to the coming of the Lord. We thank you for your blessings, Lord, your blood that was shed in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Grab your Bibles there and turn to 2 Peter, and we'll start here. 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll get down to verse 5 in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll start here in verse 5. He says, besides this giving... Oh, I forgot. Let me, let me do this before we get started. I was supposed to do this. Wait a second. Oh, there we go. I know, I, I can't really get into a good flow unless I do that, right? I'm going to get this all down, praise the Lord. All right, here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 5. He says, in verse 5 of chapter 1, he says, Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And he begins to talk about some elements that we should add to our faith. And what those elements do, they, they produce change in our life. 
I talk about, you know, in, in high school in, in chemistry, uh, where they said, whatever you do, don't mix those elements. I always want to mix those elements because I want to produce change. Peter's saying, add some elements to your faith and it will cause a change in your life. A lot of people know the Word of God, but not the God of the Word. I'll say that again. You, we, we know the Word of God. We get to know the God of the Word. It produces change in our life. We look at things differently. We don't, we, we don't look from a plant platform of how do we get somewhere. We look at where we already are. Hallelujah. So notice what he says here. Let's go a little further. He says in verse number 8, For if these things be in you, he talks about adding these elements now. And he said, If these are in you and they abound, they'll make you that you're neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I like this. He said, If you add these elements to your faith and they're abundant in you, they'll make you a certain way. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to labor for it. If they're in you and they're abundant, what does it make you do? Look in the margin of your Bible. There, that word barren, there's the word idle. It makes makes you productive. And what God's looking for is all the word we've heard. He's looking for us to go ahead and produce and do something for him. Hallelujah. Well, he says if we add these elements, it'll happen. Don't you love it? When we just do what the Bible says, it automatically happens. Now, I want to get into something about our, our appointments with God here. And if we'll do what we're, we're talking about, we don't have to ask for the power of God. It will automatically flow through us. You never see Jesus going, oh, Father, flow through me. No, everywhere he went, he was a blessing. Hallelujah. It's all about unselfishness. It's all about functioning just like Jesus in the earth. As He is, so are we in this world. And actually, He said we'd have boldness in the day of judgment because we're just like Him. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. How is Jesus today? He's blessed. He's strengthened. He's whole. He's glorious. He's filled with strength. Hallelujah. So let's go back here and look at some other verses. Go a little further. In verse number 9, He says, But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now look at verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. Now he's telling us some things that will make some change in our life so that your calling and your election is stable. In other words, you, I could see you 15 years from now, I could see you 20 years from now, and I know that you're doing exactly what God's called you to do. Where we don't falter in the will of God. Somewhere along the line, we all know people that have heard the word, heard the word, heard the word. They got offended about something. They, they got agitated about something. They, the things were different than what they thought. So in other words, they lost their steadfastness. They didn't keep their election and their calling sure. Now Peter says here, you add these elements to your faith, you're productive, and it keeps your election sure. And you're calling sure. So that 15 years from now, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. No lag time, no Mickey Mousing around, no missing God. I don't know about you, I don't want to miss anything He has for me, especially right here before the Lord comes back. Because there is a destiny on your life, and that's why He's filled you with so much Word, He wants to use you. God's pretty smart. He doesn't just go, Word, 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 be blessed. No, here's a cookie, no. He goes, he goes I'm going to fill you, and He's going to utilize you. He's deposited great things on the inside of you, and He wants to withdraw those things so that you can literally change this generation before He comes back to the planet. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's go a little further. I think I'll just walk out here. Praise God. I might preach in the, in the foyer today. Here we go. Let's go a little further. All right, so it says in verse number 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. He said, If you do these things, you'll never fall. Man, that almost sounds too good to be true. He said, if I do this, I won't stumble. How'd you like to have a guarantee not to ever miss it, not to stumble? Now, I got friends I went to Bible school with, you know, that they're not in the ministry anymore. So somewhere they didn't keep their election and their calling sure. And Peter says, do this, and it'll keep you there. And watch what he says, though. This is the payoff. Look what he says in verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, you do this you'll have a triumphant entrance. And that's what we're looking for, is that after we finished our life, we're raptured, we're caught up, we've done exactly what we're called to do, and we have an abundant entrance ministered to us. It means served to us. Now, we know that Jesus is our entrance, isn't He? We can't do anything to earn our way there, but once we found that out, we must hook them up and do what we're called to do so that we have a triumphant entrance ministered to us, served to us. I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord go, Hey, Joe, come a little closer. Wham! Thump me around on the forehead. People go, What's that bruise right there? Well, Jesus thumped me because I have all this word in me and didn't really do anything with it. Here Peter's talking about, he said, I must shortly put off my tabernacle. So he's trying to put something in the church so that when we leave this planet, we've done what we're called to do. And we'll have cause for rejoicing and zero regret. 
I think of my dad. You know, my dad all his life took me to bars when I was a kid. My mom took me to meetings. She'd haul me to meetings from the time I was a little kid. We went to church every night. I mean, we did our homework uh, in the meeting every single night. We stayed out to 12, 1 o'clock because they'd pray, prayed forever. I go, Mom, hello, how much prayer do we have to have? What's up with this? Because, you know, we get home in the middle of the night. Well, my dad would take me to, to uh, bars and he'd say, now that religion's going to wear off. And he'd mock God, he'd curse God. And he got born again on his deathbed. He had a stroke and walked right into the intensive care. He said, Dad, time for you to get born again. Got born again and then went home to be with the Lord. You talk about sliding in. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is sliding in. But I guarantee you the first hundred, I, I guarantee you the first probably, I don't know how many, how you count hours in heaven or whatever, maybe the first six months of heaven, I bet he was walking around going, sorry, 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 sorry. I mean, he's apologizing the whole time. Because I, I guarantee you he didn't get up to heaven and go, yeah, here we are. I made it. This is the deal. I bet he got up there and went, holy cow, what I mocked all my life is real. And see, we have all this revelation. Let's don't get to heaven and go, hmm, we had that sliver of time where God had destined things for our lives and given us literally a doorway to function just like Jesus. All the messages we've heard, not just to go, chicken and swan, which I like the chicken and the swan. It's in you to make such a completeness in you that people can get around you and they can get a miracle. I might do Elvis on that one. Come on, they can get around you and they can get a miracle. Come on, the time has come from us just to get a miracle, but to be blessed and full so that everywhere you can go, you can be a miracle going somewhere to happen for somebody else. That's what it's all about. You're never more fulfilled than when you're being a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's keep moving. Go over to Timothy for a minute. There's so much there we could get into about that, but we'll just keep, we're going to keep rocking here. Praise the Lord. Go over to Timothy chapter 6, I believe it is, 1 Timothy. How many of you are still glad you came today? Come on. How many of you are glad you're here and not in jail? Come on, praise God. It's better be in church. Amen. I'd much rather be in church than jail. Praise God. Well, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Notice what happens here when Paul's talking to, to Timothy. He's trying to put something in him that will have him finish his course. Rather than just go, wow, man, you're blessed, Timothy. It's all over, you know. What's he going to put in him that will make him complete what God's called him to do? I wouldn't want to get all this stuff and just go, man, I'm full, not do it. Let's do it. So look what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 11. He says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, talking about the works of the flesh. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. He says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold... Own eternal life. He says, Whereunto you are called, and you've professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, I give you charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witness a good confession. Look at verse 14. That you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you need to keep this all the way up until the rapture of the church. We don't hear this commandment preached very much, but it's a thought pattern in you that you continue in this all the way up until you leave the planet. Now, what is this commandment? Let's skip down to verse 16. He goes on here in verse 16. It says in, in verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that you be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He says that, that they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now it's amazing here, Paul's telling Timothy, he says you need to be rich in good works and what will happen then? Then all of a sudden you, you build up on a foundation against the time to come. Most people, their foundation is about, you know, how can I make sure I make enough money to have a retirement? And they live their life for their retirement. Here Paul's trying to say, live your life to build a good foundation against the time to come so that when you stand before Jesus, you've done exactly what you're called to do. So you have zero regret. Hallelujah. I talk about John Wesley. Uh, John Wesley, is, uh, he, he uh, left his wife when he went home to be with the Lord. He left her a few pound notes of money. He left her a real cool preaching robe. Also, he left her one more thing, the Methodist church. Now, think about it. I, I talk about I've preached all over the world, preaching in Bangkok, uh, building over there. What's that? Methodist Church. Preaching in the Philippines, Methodist Church. Out in the middle of nowhere in Russia, Methodist Church. I mean, the middle of nowhere. All because one man said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. Man, that's radical. And he didn't know probably 5% of what you and I know. Well, that went over real good. Okay, preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over here. <laughs> now, think about what he did with what he knew. 
Think about what we know. We're, we've been quickened. We've been raised. We've been seated. As He is, so are we in this world. If we'll mix some action with all that knowledge, what do you think will happen? We'll have, we'll have something on our foundation. My friend, there's a time coming. We're about to be raptured, and we've got to make sure we've made our life count. Now, we'll, we'll get to 1 Corinthians here, but I remember in 1987, the Lord appeared to me. Now, I'm a young man living in an outpouring, and we know Pastor Mark has switched over into being old men dream dreams. So I'm sure there'll be some serious dreams coming here pretty soon. Hallelujah. It's a good season, praise God. I'll talk louder. Here we go. So I remember uh, it was 1987. I'd been to Bible school uh, about seven years earlier. I was working for a couple of different ministers. And uh, I wasn't traveling and preaching. I was on the road with this guy. And I was the crusade guy. And I wasn't thinking about what I was called to do. I was trying to help these other guys. And I knew that I was supposed to preach but didn't really want to. And I was praying one night at my home in Tulsa. Because I was on the road at that time with that brother. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to me in my middle bedroom. Comes right up where the ceiling was. I mean, it freaked me out. Hair on the back of my head. I mean, just, I mean I, you know, everybody thinks we're, I'm ready for, you know, we're all, hey, I'm ready for the Lord up here. Well, man, it scared me. But, you know, the love in his eyes is amazing and all that. But he, he said, warn people that judgment's coming. I said, I don't want to do that. And he said, it doesn't matter what you want to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, you know, I didn't do it for like three years. I didn't, didn't, you know, preach what I was supposed to preach. So three years later, he appeared to me again up in Hastings, Michigan. I was getting ready to go preach in this church. And uh, I was listening to a Sandy Patty uh, worship CD about Jesus. And uh, I was praying in tongues in this buddy of mine's office. And all of a sudden, man, I started crying. I started bawling like a baby. I thought, man, what's up with this? Man, look up, and there's Jesus standing right in front of me, white robe and an olive green sash. He's leaned up against this buddy of mine's desk in his office there, and he had his hands behind his back like that, kind of sitting on his hands on that desk. And he just looked at me. And, man, I cried. You know, I'm thinking, you know, what's up with this? You know, <laughs> and, I think, and I knew exactly what he was sitting there for because I hadn't preached what he wanted me to preach. And uh, how did he get me to preach? Hey, you're a loser. No, he, he, uh, he didn't do that. <laughs> he could have rebuked me, you know, like, like, what do you need? I appear to you, tell you to preach this, and you don't do it. But he stands there and shows me his love. His goodness led me to repentance. I knew exactly what it was. I hadn't preached this message. And this morning, I'm preaching to you what he appeared to me and told me to preach. You're going to stand before him and give an account for what you did while you're on the earth, not your sin. Ooh, that's good news for you, buddy. Come on now. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Come on now. It's good news for all of us because you know what? Your sin was laid on Jesus. But you will give an account for what you did, your works, W-O-R-K-S. That's why he told you to be rich, rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate what? Laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come, indicating there's going to be a time you're going to be glad you had a foundation built of good works. Now, our group, we found out, whoo, hallelujah, finally I found out I can't bake enough pies, I can't do enough works to get my way into heaven, I can't, do, I can't make myself pure, it was the blood of Jesus that made me pure, then all of a sudden the church became asleep, like, whoo, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah, feed me, feed me, feed me. Now the, now the Lord's looking for us to do something with the messages we've heard. Because we'll stand before him. So go over to 1 Corinthians and let's look at our next appointment. How many of you, when you get ready for a job interview, you get ready for your job interview, if you're going to go work for, let's say you're going to go work for Boise Cascade, you walk in and go, you know, I love cleaning supplies. No, you'd probably talk about how they take wood and make paper. I mean, you think about what the company does. You have an appointment with Jesus here pretty soon, sooner than we all think you're going to be raptured. Isn't that going to be cool to be raptured? We're going to get us a glorified body. Hallelujah. Never to get tired again. Never to gain weight again. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Won't that be wonderful? We'll get a body fashioned like unto His. Walk through walls. Still eat food. Hallelujah. And never get tired. But what's going to happen right after we're raptured? You have an appointment. It's called the reward seat of Christ. The Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ, but it's a mistranslation. In the Greek, it's called the bema, B-E-M-A. It's the reward seat. What you have in store for you are rewards. You think about it, the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross for what? The joy set before Him. My friend, everything you do for Him, everything you do with the proper motive, you'll be blessed for it. Hallelujah. You'll have a reminder of it in the next life. God's so cool how He does that. Don't you like to reward your kids when they do right? How much more your Heavenly Father, when you do the things you're supposed to do, He's going to go check this out. Look what awaits you because you did what you were supposed to do. 
in your time slot. Go here to 1 Corinthians 3 and let's get ready for our next appointment. You have a radical, wonderful appointment with the Lord. It won't be scary. It sounds scary. And a lot of people preach it now. And uh, uh, it's being really promoted now. You should see it, man. They, they preach it. Well, you better be ready. You better come down and, and get ready because you're about to meet the Lord. It's the judgment seat. You may not even be saved. And they scare people into coming down the front. And it makes a wonderful picture for their newsletter, but it's not Bible. Because, my friend, once you're born again, my friend, you are lit. Hallelujah. You're, you're born again. He loves you. You're his children. Now, I've heard some people say, well, I don't know if everybody's saved or not. Most unsaved people don't come to church. You're in church this morning. You're born again. Hallelujah. Isn't that something the devil would try to get people to question that they're saved? Well, if you're living like the world, I might, I might be questioning, but it's really hard to lose your salvation. I don't believe in what... I can't believe I'm getting into this. Help me, Lord. I don't, I don't believe in once saved, always saved, but it is pretty hard to lose your salvation. Let's just put it that way. Most people don't even qualify. You've got a taste of the power of the world to come, a taste of the heavenly gift, and then crucify yourself afresh as the Son of God. You've got to get really messed up mentally even to get to that point. But He loves you and wants to bless you. Hallelujah. So let's don't get caught up in that lie of the devil to make you question how powerful you are as a son. Well, I might walk over some chairs here. Come on now. Don't let anything. That's a satanic mentality that lets you question how powerful you are as a son. The Bible says you are the same as him. Not trying to be. You are the same as him. How'd that happen? His powerful, precious blood. And I'm not going to do anything to downplay that blood. It's so powerful. He sat down when he, when he raised you up. He said, I'm done. I finished. It's so, it's so complete, he sat down. He's not going, oh, I've got to work all this out in your life. He did such a good job redeeming you. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. But he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than those. And my friend, I, we can't let that creep into the body of Christ. We got out of that 35 years ago. So when we go to this reward seat, there will be boldness. There'll be joy. They'll not be like, oh my God, here it comes. Praise the Lord. No, it's going to be good. Now go over to 1 Corinthians. Hang with me. I might preach a little bit. Hang with me. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 6. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. That's what it's all about. Verse 7. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth. So don't, don't, don't get caught up in what your job is like. Well, I, I want to usher. I want that. Just do whatever. In other words, if you're called to usher, usher. If you're called music, music. Whatever your part is, don't get thinking, I want to do that part. Just do whatever the Lord's given you. It seems like human nature to go, well, I would really like it if I could do that. Don't worry about what the other guy's doing. You do what you're supposed to do. It's amazing how the devil tries to sow discord and thinking, well, I'll be more fulfilled if I do that. Well, do the last thing the Lord gave you and you'll be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Let's keep moving. Here we go. All right, verse 8. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. So it doesn't matter what parts you have. We're still all one together, aren't we? He said, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I don't like the word labor, but he put it in there. So in other words, my reward is going to be in proportion with my labor. And that, that indicates I'm going to be doing something. Not just hearing something. I'm going to be doing something. I'll have some labor. Well, that went over real good. Okay, here we go. <laughs> For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Notice this. He said, I laid the foundation and another build thereupon. He said, but let every man take heed or pay attention to the foundation that you're laying. Now look at the next one here. He said in verse 12, any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. He said, every man's work, circle the word work, every man's work shall be made manifest. Wow. For the day shall declare it. So in other words, your, that word manifest means the shining forth. Your work will shine forth. When the fire of God hits you and the light of Jesus hits you on that reward seat, your work will be made manifest. It will be exposed right there. The day it will preach for you what you've done for the Lord with the proper motive, it will be manifested right there. Isn't it wonderful? Every time you open the door for somebody, every time you say a kind word, every time you give up of your life or something like that, you'll have a reminder of it right there. It's just like the Olympics. I've never seen somebody train and train and train and train and train and when it comes time to get a medal go I can't do it I'm nervous about it no and what does the devil try to tell the church be careful you're going to get a medal my friend you should be excited because Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him my friend set before you in your future is nothing but blessings nothing but joy nothing but grace you will never suffer humiliation he was humiliated for you 
You know, some people think, man, I'm going to get up on the judgment seat and it ain't going to be good. No, it's going to be good. Your sin was laid on Jesus. But with that, how wonderful that is, your works will be analyzed. The motive of your heart will be exposed. Did, did you do what you were supposed to do in the church because you want to be seen of men? You're kind of the Barney anointing, the Barney Fife anointing, you know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got that one bullet working right here. I did a miracle. I've been around people, you know, they'll have one, they'll have a, one miracle in their life, in their ministry. Oh, yeah, got that lady healed, got her taken care of, and they start walking different. It's just kind of like that donkey mentality. The donkey riding into Jerusalem, you know, that donkey's going, whoo, check it out, man. Everybody's going, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It ain't the donkey. It's who's riding on the donkey. Come on. Hello. Well, now here at the reward seat, you, you, you'll get blessed and rewarded for what you did with the proper motive. Did you do it because you love people? Did you do it because you love the Lord? My friend, it'll absolutely radiate. It will absolutely shine what you've done for Him. It's eternal. There's two things you take to heaven with you. Number one, your children. And the other thing is what you've done for the Lord. Eternal, forever. We've got to think eternity-minded. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's keep going. Let's go a little further here. Man, I might preach today. Help me, Jesus. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. Not your sin, your work of what sort it is or how valuable it is. If any man's work abide which he built thereupon, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, but he himself shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. Well, now, this is amazing. All that's going to happen is what you've done on the earth will be analyzed, whether it's gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And I don't want to get there and have a massive bonfire. I don't, I don't want Jesus to go back everybody up. Here it comes. God, woof. I mean, how would you like for everybody to talk about your bonfire for like a couple thousand years? Did you see the bonfire when so-and-so's? We're still a little singed from when, he, when the fire hit him and you caught my eyebrows. You know, you've been around a fire you got too close to. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be talking about my fire, okay? Well, now, see, uh, wood, hay, and stubble's all above the ground. Gold, silver, and precious stones all below the ground. You've got to dig for that. It's the motives of your heart. Okay, gold. What is gold? Gold is your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love Him? Not necessarily, my name is Jimmy. I'll tell you all you give me, but Lord, I love you. Because you know, most people don't really get real you know, adamant about the Lord until they need something. All right, I'll come preach to you anyway. So, so what happens is... You see people get real consecrated and dedicated when there's a storm. Isn't that the truth? Well, there's a storm. Ooh, consecration, dedication. I love you, Lord. Well, you need something. Well, your goal is your devotion. How much do you tell him you love him when you don't need anything? And see, you adorn yourself with gold, silver, and precious stones. In the next life, you'll be adorned with your faithfulness in this life. Come on now. You're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. Luke 19 says you're faithful over so much, you rule over so many cities. I don't want to be using a weed eater in Louisiana during the millennium. I grew up in Louisiana. I don't want people, oh, look at Brother Joe. Everything's all right. No, I want to be ruling and reigning. And, and what I'm doing right now will, will, will show my position. Now, I'm not doing it. And if I was doing it just for position, that'd be my reward right there. Toast. Well, I want, I want some gold. What is silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is of choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. You know how you greet people. You know how you're around people. You can either lift them up or you can pull them down. Your words are the most powerful thing you have. Your words can go places that you can't go. Now, what what are the precious stones? The precious stones, the priest would go into the presence of God. He would bear what was on his heart for the people. He would represent the people in the presence of God. You can pray for other people. They don't even know about it. Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers. I wonder how many rewards Paul will get just because he made mention of people. It's not like you've got to pray 45 hours for people. You can just make mention of them. This morning before I came to church, I made mention of some friends that were preaching today. I made mention of several pastor friends. I said, Lord, give them utterance this morning. I didn't pray 45 minutes for them. I made mention of them. Give them utterance this morning. I mentioned several different ones. Lord, give them the the presence of God in their service where people's hearts will turn before they can even preach. Well, now see, uh, if we'll do that, we can do that without even leaving our house. We can walk around our house and do things that are eternal so that when I get to heaven, we've done something. And if you want to get real technical about it, hang with me for just a minute. You think about what you've done now. Your next appointment when you stand before Jesus at this reward seat, just like the Olympics, 
You've represented the Lord in the earth during that time. And you'll be blessed for it. He'll bless you at that time. I've never seen somebody in the Olympics get their gold, silver, and bronze and get sad about it. Have you ever seen somebody get their medal and go, I don't know why I ran. No, they're so blessed. I mean, you ever heard? And that's the way it's presented. In the judgment, the judgment seat is presented like it's going to be bad. Well, see, that's the, bad, that's the wrong spirit. You'll be rewarded for your faithfulness. Even the ones that didn't ever do anything, like just like my dad. Even my dad, he'll, he'll go to the reward seat of Christ and he'll be like this. He'll be like, well, he'll be like oh, dear Jesus, because there's going to be a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. But he's there. At least he made it. Yeah, he, he snuck in even by fire. Well, let's make sure we don't have a bonfire. And think about this. In the millennium, the Bible says you'll be clothed with glory and honor. You look at somebody in the military. You look at a general in the military. He doesn't have to tell you he was faithful. He doesn't have to tell you he did what he was supposed to do. You know, his uniform preaches for him, doesn't it? I mean, those, 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 those badges of valor over his heart, they represent he gave part of his life to obey and for duty. And the stars he carries there, he has a certain amount of jewelry on his shoulders there. They represent his rank. His uniform preaches for him. In the millennium, I don't want to be walking around in a speedo bathing suit. Come on now. You think about it. You'd be able to look at people and go, well, bless your heart. Didn't do anything during the church age, did you? All that word, all that anointing, all that glory. What happened? Well, you got to do something with all of that. So in the next life, people are going, hmm, what's up? No, I want some, I want some robes, righteousness, and I want some stuff to adorn myself with. And you won't go, you won't look at somebody and go, oh, man, I wish I had all that glory on me. Don't be jealousy like that. You'll go, look what they did. They did what they were supposed to do in their time slot. You know, I talk about the story of that man that was preaching over in South Africa. He was a minister that was away from his family for years, started about 500-some churches down there in South Africa, came back into the harbor of Miami, and as he came back in, there was a huge ticker tape parade, and there was an actor there on the boat that had been on a safari in Africa, and the preacher was like kind of whining and complaining, Lord, I've been over here away from my family, I've been building all these churches, and there's nobody here to meet me. You have an actor on a safari, and they're having a parade for him, and there's nobody here to meet me. And the Lord said, don't you worry, it's because you're not home yet. My friend... We are blessed here, but there's coming a time where you're going to go home. Abraham said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He said, I'm just passing through. It's good to be here. It's good to be blessed while you're here. But you've got to recognize how blessed we are to get the revelation that we have. We have to do something with it. So with that said, let's go over to Ephesians real quick. Skip over there a little bit. Man, you can stand on the reward seat of Christ for a while, but let's just keep moving. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. How many are so glad you came? Come on now. The Lord wants to bless us. Look at Ephesians 4. Look what he says here. I, what I like about here, the Lord telling us this, he doesn't just go, hey, you need to go for this so you're not naked in the next life. He tells you that he's put something in you that propels you. Every time you hear the word, it, it, there's an action to it. It's not just, wow, that sounds good. No, you want to do something for the Lord. Isn't that right? Let's go a little further. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 7. But unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So you have a grace in you that even pushes you. Don't you have something on the inside of you when you hear the word going, man, that, that's God in me, both the will and to do of His good pleasure. He's trying to motivate us to go ahead and do what we're supposed to do. But now watch what happens. He takes it even a step further. He says in verse 11, and He gave some apostles, He gave some prophets, He gave some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. Look at verse 12. For what? The perfecting of the saints. For what? The work. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work. So that the saints, we all do something. We get off our duff and do something for God. So that when we're at the reward seat, we have something to carry into eternity. I don't want to... It's amazing how this life counts for so much. I don't want to step into eternity and have nothing to show for it. You look at people that have done great things on the earth. Martin Luther King, there's every freeway in every city is named after Martin Luther King now. Why? Because one man was bold enough to do what he was supposed to do in his time slot. My friend, you'll see things all throughout eternity named after people that did what they were supposed to do. And what's so cool is we still, still got time to do something. I'd hate to hear this message and all of a sudden the rapture happens tomorrow. Well, I got today to hook them up. Come on, we got some, we got some time to go for it. We don't have a lot of time, but let's go with some urgency. Now watch what he says here in verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he wants us to be perfected so we'll work, and he wants us built up so we do something. Go to the next verse. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, into the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man. The word perfect there means wholehearted. 
In other words, it doesn't necessarily mean mature. It just means wholehearted. Like, like how many times does the Lord have to tell us to do something before we'll do it? Remember he told Abraham? He said, Abraham, yeah, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham was like, yeah, whatever. Look how old my wife is. Look how old I am. And the Lord had to appear to him and said, I am the almighty God. Not like, I'm El Shaddai. If I said you're going to have some kids, you're going to have some kids. Don't blow me off. In fact, he said, walk before me and be thou perfect or wholehearted. In other words, when God gives you something to do, listen very carefully, he's going to tell you to do something that you can't do in the flesh. Come on now. And that's why he wants you to be wholehearted about those signals. He tells you every day, walk like a son of God. Walk just like Jesus of Nazareth. You go, how can I do that? I'm a mere man. You're not a mere man. You've been made in his image and you're just like him. Well, we hear the messages that produce a wholeheartedness so we don't draw back. Because every moment of every day, the Holy Ghost is telling you, this is what I want you to do. Come with me. Walk with me. Demonstrate for me. Expand the kingdom right before Jesus comes back. There is an absolute supernatural alarm in the church of the living God to awaken us to the fact that the king is coming back to the planet. Hallelujah. My friend, it's amazing, but it's our generation. So he's intensifying the message. He's intensifying the call, making it white hot, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rather than just like, well, that's good to hear the word. I, you know, I had a cookie and I had a Diet Coke and I got blessed. No, there should be such a, a fervency in the message. Here he wants us wholehearted. Job, wholehearted in all his ways. Noah, wholehearted in all his ways. Think about Paul. Paul was wholehearted. Remember how we talk about him? He, he was so wholehearted that he would kill Christians. You know, they, they'd come and he had letters. He just he stoned them. He was right there when Stephen was stoned. I mean, he was embarrassed about that later. But he was wholehearted, wasn't he? And the Lord said, you know what? I can turn this guy around. I can use this guy. I can use this guy to write the New Testament. Jesus appears to Paul. Light brighter than the noonday sun. Remember that? And here Paul stands there and Jesus says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, I've got something for you to do and you're going the opposite way. And the first thing to come out of Paul's mouth, Lord, what would you have me to do? Not just, man, it's just good to be in the family. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Your blood. And, you know, no, he immediately knew there was something for him to do. And it's, I, don't, I don't know how many messages it will take for us to get it. This is our window to go for it because it will count forever. Come on, that'll count forever. I wonder what will be in your house in heaven. You walk in your house in heaven, there'll be a little badge there. Life Church, Boise, Idaho. Life Church. Maybe there'll be some marker on there for how faithful you were. Maybe there'll be a marker for, for how much you gave your life to do the will of God. I wouldn't flirt with the will of God. I'd absolutely give it my whole heart. My friend, when we see Jesus, we look up there and see those eyes, you'll be glad you gave, did everything that you could for Him. Oh, man, if it'll get into our spirits, we'll just go, we'll stand before Him. You hear the stories about people standing before Him in heaven. Remember Brother Hagin, the first time he was in heaven, he stood before Jesus, fell down on his face and said, I'm not worthy. And Jesus grabbed him and said, you are worthy. I made you worthy. I want to make sure I don't get up to heaven and just fall down and go, why did I not do what I was supposed to do my whole life? We still have a portion of time to do it. You know, I tell the story often about... Um, uh, there's Keith Johnson, a pastor friend of mine in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I just preached there a couple of weeks ago. It's up in the middle of nowhere, uh, up by the Arctic Circle, you know. And uh, uh, I was the only guy on the plane that didn't come with a shotgun. I mean, I love to hunt, but it's, all, all there is to do is to kill something up there. You know, it's just like there's elk, there's the best hunting there is. But I was the only guy who didn't have a gun. And uh, uh, But it's a great church. But he used to pastor out in Plainview, Texas, way out in West Texas. And it's a church out in the middle of nowhere. In fact, they make nuclear weapons out there. Because in case something went off, it really wouldn't hurt anybody. <laughs> There's just nobody there. I, well, the first thing it is, when I came up, oh, they make all the nuclear bombs right there. I'm like, wow, we are in the middle of nowhere. So it's out in the middle of nowhere. And he had this church that he started years ago, probably like 1973, 74, something like that. And they needed some help in the children's church. Because back then, you know, they didn't really have children's church developed or youth group developed or whatever. So here the pastor got up and said, you know, we don't have enough volunteers. And he went like this. He said, I need some volunteers to come help in children's church. And, you know, everybody wants to be in the service to hear the word. I understand that because we want to get fed. But he's like, you know, I need some help. And nobody would raise their hand. So his nephew was on the very back row. And the nephew was like, you know how it goes with family. He, his nephew kind of goes like this because he knew his uncle was going to call on him. Because <laughs> his uncle was going to make him go anyway. So he said, okay, I might as well volunteer because I know uncle's going to make me go anyway. So he goes back there and ends up having a good time. I mean, that's something you think you're going to miss God or whatever by going back and helping. And I say, oh, he needs a little duct tape. You just duct tape all the kids up and everything would be great. But, 
But actually, probably it's better to have some warm bodies back there to calm everything down. You know, that's just a joke. Amen. It's all right. <laughs> ha ha, praise the Lord. Here we go. So, the, so he goes back there, and he actually has a good time. He enjoys it. And all of a sudden, he mixes something with the enjoyment. He goes, you know what? If I'm stuck with doing this because my uncle's going to make me, I might as well be wholehearted about it. So he said, well, okay, let's just go for it. He started getting buses, hauling kids from all over. He got kids from all over the area. He got them there. They started having revival in the children's church. And they just started having a blessing. Now, now who is that person I'm talking about? The person I'm talking about is Willie George. Now, every church I preach in overseas, uh, you preach in Manila. Guess whose children's church curriculum they have? Willie George. Preach in Africa. Guess whose children? Willie George. Preach in Bangkok. Willie George. It doesn't matter where you preach. Poland, Willie George. Italy, Willie George. Spain, Willie George. Every nation, that's the children's church they have. How did he get called into the children's church ministry? Oh, 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 yeah, I felt that. Mm. Whew, wow, oh, yeah. Mm. Man. That's power of God, yeah. I just sense a calling right there. No, I like that. And I like the chick I like the chicken and the swan even better, man, because it'll get you going like that. No, here Ministries magazine said who's gotten more people born again than, than Billy Graham? You know, I would have thought I would have thought Billy Graham, I would have thought Teal Osborne, because Teal Osborne they'd count the people by the acre. I thought, well, Teal Osborne's probably and then Reinhardt Bonke. I'd say, Well, surely Reinhardt Bonke. No, Willie George. More people born again than those other brothers. I thought, holy cow, how do you get called the ministry? Ooh, yes, I sense it, Lord. No? He goes like, the, r- 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 okay. Well, I guarantee you he'll have a, an abundant entrance. I, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you when you get to heaven you'll know who Paul is. I'm not saying this just to be known. I'm saying it is that we were admonished here by people that were about to go home to be with the Lord to do something with the message. Let's go a little further. Run, run over if you would to Hebrews. We're, we're going to keep moving here. I'm still glad you came this morning. How many glad you're here not in surgery? Come on now. You don't want to be in surgery, do you? Come on, that's better to be in church. Praise God. Go to, go to uh, I say Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews. God's healing somebody's blood right now. Somebody's, you have some kind of damage in your blood. You watch your blood's totally restored. Perfect right now. Lord, thank you for it. Thank you that their blood's healed. Hallelujah. Whatever that damage is, you watch. Your, your platelets or what? I don't even know. It's called a word of knowledge. Whatever's wrong with your blood's healed. Hallelujah. All right, go to Hebrews 10, or 13, I'm sorry. I was in the right book. It's close. Be horseshoes, hang grenades in the glory. If you're in the right deal, you're okay, right? And nuclear war, right? <laughs> All right, go to Hebrews 13. Look at these verses in verse 14. For here, Hebrews 13, verse 14, here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So he says in verse 21, notice these verses here in verse 21. He says, now verse 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect or wholehearted in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. I like that. Now look over to Titus. It's right after Timothy. Real quick. Just run over there. I know it's a lot of verses. Titus right after Timothy. Hang with me for just a second. This is a thought pattern right before we're caught up, right before we're raptured. Real quick, look at Titus chapter 2. It's right after Timothy. Remember if you can find First and Second Timothy? It's right after Timothy. Praise the Lord. Look at Titus chapter 2. Look at verse 12. This is a thought pattern right before we're raptured. Notice what he says here in verse 12. He says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteous and godly in this present world. Looking, look at verse 13, looking... For that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're looking for that. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself, notice this, a peculiar people zealous of good works. So he's saved us, redeemed us, (laughs) and purified unto himself a peculiar people that are zealous of good works. Like, woo! Whatever what I need to do. You mean you say this message, you go, Well, you sound like you're trying to get me to do something. Absolutely. I'm trying to get it so when you get to heaven, you've done exactly what you're supposed to do. Instead of looking back and going, Look what I could have done, you go, Look what the Lord had me do while I was on the earth. It doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't have to be flawless, but be wholehearted about whatever He's given you to do. Now look at the next verse here. This is good. Verse 15. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Wow. 
Go over to Corinthians. I remember one time the Lord, hang with me, go to Corinthians 15. We'll close with this real quick. Corinthians 15. Years ago, I was in a meeting with an elderly minister. He's over 40. And uh, uh, <laughs> I was in this meeting, I guess it was about 1992, and uh, it, it was uh, Mark Brzee at the time. He's a whole lot older than I am, so I can say that about him. It's okay. We're, it's like family. You know, he's a lot older than I am. So he was preaching. Uh, we were trading off, and he was going to do a luncheon in, in one of the meetings. And uh, we were preaching in this camp meeting, and uh, I'll never forget it. I was thinking of the luncheon, you know, and I went back to the hotel and then came right back to the luncheon. And as I walked into the luncheon, I smelled the food. Man, I could smell the barbecue. It smelled so good. I thought, wow, it's going to be good. So we're going to go down to the basement of the church and have barbecue. And all of a sudden, I had a vision. It's okay for me to have a vision. I'm a young man, remember? Old men dream dreams. Young men see vision. (laughs) So I had this vision as I walked into the meeting. I saw I was in a boat. Remember how in the Old Covenant the, the preacher said, you know, went not my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? All of a sudden I'm sitting in the back of this boat and I'm watching this pastor water ski and he's awesome. He, he's doing like a slalom course like he's in a competition. He was doing really good. I thought, man, that's so cool. Next thing I heard was the guy that was preaching there, Mark Brzee. He started preaching in the vision out of Hebrews chapter 12, laying aside every weight and every sin which would so easily beset you. I thought, man, what's up with this? God's going to try to get that guy's attention or whatever to not ski or something. It kind of freaked me out. I thought, what's up with this? And I thought, well, I'm going to enjoy my barbecue. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to enjoy it. So then Brother Mark got up and began to preach out of Hebrews 12. So that was a word of wisdom. I heard him preach what he's going to preach before he preached. A word of wisdom. I thought, holy cow, man, he preached right out of Hebrews 12, laying aside every weight and every sin. And I kind of looked over at that pastor to see if he's going along with it, you know, just see if he's kind of in the spirit of it and all that. And he was. Well, I'm thinking, I'm not going to do anything. So when we were done, the pastor of that church, he stood up and said, hey, Joe, you got something? I said, well, maybe I do. And I didn't go, yay, there are those here today that, yay, you have been water skiing too much. You know, maybe I should have done that. I don't know. But anyway, I just said, hey, we've all got things in our lives we need to lay aside. I mean, because God wants you to have more fun than you ever had. I'll just say that again. He's not against you having fun. He, he invented fun. Trust me. Wait till we get to heaven. We're going to go, man, that, he, he, this, that's the deal. He loves us having a good time. I said, but you know, we've all got things in our life we may need to lay aside. And I, so I said, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. So we kind of bowed our heads and I watched that guy, see if he's going along with it. You know? And the Lord rebuked me. You know what he said to me when I did that? He said, never apologize for your message. Well, he just rebuked me right when I got quiet. He said, don't apologize. So I said, okay, let's, uh, let's all you know, consecrate, dedicate, and blah, blah, blah. And we did that. I walked up to that pastor after the service. That's all I was to it. It wasn't any big deal. I walked up and said, hey, man, you've been water skiing lately. He goes, no, no, I haven't had a chance to. Been too busy. I thought, well, I could miss it. But I had heard what Brother Brzee preached before he preached it, so I hadn't missed it totally. So I said, well, praise the Lord, man. Good to see you. And I just believe that the Lord got him dedicated and consecrated and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So... Afterwards, we're on the way back to the hotel. Went up to, went up to Brother Mark. I said, "Hey, man, I, I heard you preach. What you going to preach before you preach? You know, kind of na 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 that kind of deal." You know? <laughs> and uh, I said, "In fact, I had a vision. I said I saw this pastor uh, water skiing before the service." And, and Brother Mark back then had a mustache. He started messing with his mustache. He says, "You know what?" He says, "You know what? I, I walked up to that guy and asked him to come to the meeting tonight." This is what Brother Mark told me. He said, "I asked that pastor to come to the meeting tonight." He said, "Oh, I don't have time. I'm going into Denver to get me a new water ski." And then a guy on his staff said, "Man, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say to us today? Maybe you should lay aside some of your skiing." He joked. He said, "Oh, man, Jesus would have to appear to me before I lay aside my skiing." Now he just missed it. God didn't want him to quit skiing. He just didn't want him to make skiing his God. I mean, hello, first he tried with the Word, next gifts of the Spirit, third with somebody on the guy's staff. God wants him to have more fun skiing than he knows how to have. But don't put skiing ahead of what he's supposed to do for the Lord because let me just tell you, when you get to the reward seat, you probably won't get a medal for your skiing, but you will get a medal for doing what you're supposed to do for the Lord. I believe 50 years ago, the Lord wouldn't have gone to so much trouble. But he knows he's coming so soon, he's trying to put everything he can into the church. My friend, he has awakened us. He has filled us, so we'll do what we're supposed to do. And I I don't want to say the Lord's desperate, but my friend, he's trying to rekindle the fire in our lives because you're about to meet Jesus. I'll say that again. You're about to meet Jesus. You say, am I going home with the Lord today? No, but we're going to be raptured real soon. But look at here at this verse right here in 1 Corinthians. The whole chapter is about resurrection, and we'll close right here. Man, I preached too long. I want you to come back tonight. Remember, he who preaches short shall be hurt again. So come back tonight. Come on. John Osteen used to say that. Praise the Lord. Uh, so look here at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Notice what he says in verse 51. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. This is about the rapture. You know, the whole chapter is about resurrection. Verse 51, he said, I'll show you a mystery. When I'll all sleep, we'll all be changed. How cool is this? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow, what a day that's going to be. Ba, 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 come up hither. Come up to the throne of God. 
we'll blast up into heaven, go to the reward seat, get some gold, silver, and precious stones, go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, have a party like we've never seen before. Wow, how cool will that be? And all of a sudden, we're going to come back at the second coming. So this is what the Lord tells us with that in mind. Look at verse 58. He says, therefore, or because of all of that, he says, my beloved brethren. Notice what he calls you, his beloved brethren. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice what he said there. Your work will be in direct proportion to you knowing that it's not in vain. I used to tell people when I worked for these preachers, I worked for these two different preachers for, for just forever, from like 1980 to 1987, 1989, back and forth. And I used to have these guys go, well, you, you let these preachers take advantage of you. I said, don't let them take advantage of me. I give my life. I give my life to serve. I said, nobody's telling me to do this. I'm, I'm going to give my life because I want to. People go, well, you serving those guys because you want to get their anointing. Absolutely not. Didn't want their anointing. I saw the hell they went through because of their anointing. I served them because I wanted to help them. So I remember uh, when I went to Ramah, well, actually when I was growing up, how many of you thought you, your parents only had children just to do yard work? <laughs> Didn't you think that? I really did. I thought, I thought I was born just to mow the grass. This is not right. So I remember when I went to Ramah, you know, uh, I, I'd gone a couple summers on the road with Mark Brzee, and I'd traveled with him, and I went to Bible school in 1980. And I got to Bible school, and I thought I had this thought pattern. Maybe I should go over and check on Brother Mark's house because they were over in South Africa. And I went over there, and his grass was like this high. I thought, oh, dear Jesus, what seed did I sow to reap this? You know, I thought, I thought, how could I have reaped this? You know, because the thing I loathe, the thing I hate, my mom was into flower beds, so you know you're out there having to weed the flower beds and all that. So Mark and Janet came back from South Africa and said, man, this looks so good. Why don't we do some flower beds? I said, of course, let's do flower beds. So the very thing that my flesh could not stand was the very thing the Lord was having me do just to put my flesh under. Amen. So, so now he said, your work will be in direct proportion, knowing that it's not in vain. I wasn't doing that unto Mark and Janet. I was doing that as unto the Lord. Because Mark and Janet really can't pay me back for the time I gave them. I made $80 a month. Let me just say that. I made $80 a month. I drove a courier job at 4 in the morning, and then I worked at a swimming pool teaching swimming lessons to Tiny Tots and sold real estate and worked for Mark and Janet. I made $80 a month. So you can't live on it. So I thought they can't pay. There's no way they can pay me back. So I wasn't doing it under them. I was doing that under the Lord. So we, we have, a, a, we have a, a responsibility here before Jesus comes to do something for him. You say, well, this sounds like a ministry of a helps message. No. It's a you not be naked in the millennium message. <laughs> Amen. And obviously the Lord wants us to get it because he wants to reward you. He loves you. He wants to bless you. So put your hand to what you can put it to. Man, you got an opportunity. You can give toward the building. You can give toward the runway. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what. The, maybe you'll have a tower of power. You can shoot people up, drop them down, come right into the church. I don't know. I, I just think it'll be radically cool before Jesus comes and we have an opportunity in our church to serve and do whatever we can. So let's just do this before we go. Let's bow our heads and let's just consecrate for a second and dedicate. Do what we're called to do. Lord, we love you. We recognize that there's things that we're all supposed to do, that we're not in this church by accident, that you haven't saved us by accident. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that we're born again. Father, we love you. Thank you for dying for us, Jesus. So, Lord, we, 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 we surrender this morning, uh, Sunday morning in fall of 2007. We commit, we consecrate, and we dedicate to doing your will. We, we draw a line in the sand, Father, and say, we'll do exactly what you called us to do. We'll be a blessing to your body. We'll be a blessing to the church of the living God. And Father, we'll, we'll, we'll endeavor to bring the harvest in in such a radical fashion. Whether it's getting more vans, getting more buildings, Father, whatever it is, we're going to go for it. We give you glory. We give you honor and give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen.